this morning. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Yes. I'm sorry. Oh. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it, thinking he was in the company, thinking that he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then he began to look for him among the relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, "'Son, why have you treated us like this?' Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And they went down to Jerusalem with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Have, have you ever been in a strange city uh, and gotten lost? Yes. Yeah, okay. Probably almost everybody in here, right? Okay, uh, and, and you know how uh, relieved you are when you finally come across someplace that's familiar, right? Uh, th- this is a true story. We took the youth group uh, from the Broad Street United Methodist Church to Pittsburgh to see Casting Crowns one Saturday night. We had three different vehicles. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh. Getting into Pittsburgh is easy. I mean, once you just get on the interstate, go up 79, it's easy to get to Pittsburgh. When you come out of the tunnel, boom, there it is. Pittsburgh right in front of you. Getting out of Pittsburgh, now that's a different animal altogether, all right? Uh, so we're, we're at, we, go, we go to this uh, stadium, we, we watch this great concert, and we're getting ready to leave. Uh, and our youth leader was a Lewis County deputy sheriff, and I just assumed, Dave, I mean, he's a deputy sheriff. He knows how to go places, right? I'm I'm assuming he knows how to get out of Pittsburgh. So he's driving the church van. Do you realize how many churches have white vans? (laughs) There's a bunch of them, let me tell you. All right, there's one sitting right out here, right? Yeah, so, I mean, we're in the parking lot. I'm, I'm assuming Dave knows how to get out of Pittsburgh, so I get behind what I think is our white church van. And we're driving through Pittsburgh. I have no idea where I'm at. I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just following that white church van. At that time, Nancy's cell phone rings, and it's Dave's wife, Lisa. Lisa says, where are you guys? And Nancy says, we're right behind you. And she says, are you sure? And she said, yeah, we're looking at the back of the van. She said, flash your headlights. And I flashed my headlights, and she said, Well, I don't know where you are, but you're not behind us. 
Well, just to make a long story short, we have three cars, all right, in three different places in Pittsburgh. None of us know where we are. None of us know how to get home. Now, again, to make a long story short, we were the first ones that made it out of there, right? Yeah, we were the first ones. To, we were the first ones to get home. So I, the one thing I can say, though, church, is when I get lost, I don't panic. And you know why? Because getting lost is my middle name. I can stand here for the biggest part of the afternoon and tell you the times that I have been lost. I get distracted real easy. When I'm driving, right, there's my navigator sitting right there on the front row, uh, and I, I get lost real easy. I look at construction sites, and I look at uh, people, you know, new houses being built and all this stuff, and Nancy says, you missed our turnoff back there. And one day, one day we were going to the bank in Canal City, and I was I, driving down through Canal City. She said, Richard. I said, yeah. She said, where are we going? I said, oh, to the bank, yeah. I said, I'm just checking to see if you were paying attention. <laughs> But as many times as I have been lost, all right, I have never lost my child. Not one time have I ever lost my child. But it happened to Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, church, I want you to think about this for a second. Mary and Joseph are entrusted with the Son of God, and they lose him, okay? They lose God. They go, off, they go home without him. They're attending a Passover celebration in Jerusalem, and their 12-year-old son Jesus, as they leave, is not with them. And they travel an entire day. Finally, somebody says, where's Jesus? Oh, I thought he was with you. Well, I thought you had him. Well, I thought maybe he's back here with the other kids. They lost their son. They go all the way back, and they find him, a four-day journey. They go all the way back. So what they begin to do is they begin to seek Jesus. And they find him in conversation in the temple with these teachers in the temple court. And Jesus said, well, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house, he said? You know, two weeks from today, January the 9th, is when uh, many Christians will celebrate uh, Epiphany. Uh, now, according to one tradition, um, this is when the wise men uh, found the newborn uh, baby Jesus, 12 days after Christmas, not on Christmas Day, according to one tradition. That's where you get, you've heard the song, 12 Days of Christmas. That's kind of where that's, that song comes from. Many other Christians, and I kind of fall into this category myself, and probably most of you do too, uh, I believe that Jesus was somewhere around two years old uh, when, when they found him. Uh, but whatever tradition that you hold to, it doesn't really matter. The point is that wise men seek Jesus. They were seeking the king of the Jews. Uh, how many times have you seen the sign with the slogan written on it, wise men still seek him? All right? And isn't that true? That, that's true. Wise men still seek him. I seek him every day of my life. I seek him. I seek him. Donnie was talking about wisdom and, and, and having godly influence. In life. I, I, I seek that every day of my life. Uh, so maybe, maybe you can tell this morning that the theme is seeking Jesus, seeking him with our whole hearts. So the first question I think I need to ask you this morning is, is Jesus missing from any part of your life today? And you don't need to raise your hand, but I want you to ask that question to yourself. Is Jesus missing from any part of my life? Is he missing from my marriage? 
Is he missing from my family? Is Jesus missing maybe from my workplace, the pl- where, where I work? I mean, I, I mean, church, it, it's very apparent today that Christ is missing from many families. Amen? It is. It, it, it's, it's very, I mean, it, it, it's obvious that we live in a culture today that doesn't understand that what God's purpose for marriage and family is all about. They just, they don't, they haven't grasped it. There, there are many families today that do not have Jesus Christ as the foundation of their family, the foundation of their marriage. It's just not there. It's missing. The energy of so many families today is consumed by external issues. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, like, like juggling their schedule. Uh, parents, with you, especially with young families, I sit back and I watch Adam and Abby and the, the places they have to go through the week to, to take their kids, places to be, things to do, who has to be where at, at a certain time. And more than any other time in, in recent history, uh, church, the, the energy of many families is consumed simply by just paying bills. Or, or buying food or, or, or buying clothing. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed it's very expensive to live today, isn't it? It is. I mean, they're telling us that, that inflation is what? At a 39-year high, and maybe more than that since the last time, last time I looked. But church, it can be exhausting when, when you're struggling just simply to survive. Now, I don't know about any, anybody here this morning. Nancy and I have been there. Back in the 80s when I lost my job, we were struggling, and it can, it can consume you just to struggle to survive. Uh, juggling the fa- and families today are so busy, again, juggling schedules, uh, trying to keep their head above water, and, and that can leave very little time, if any, for strengthening your spiritual foundation. Are you with me? Okay, all right. And if we fail to do that, if we fail to work on our spiritual foundation, church, the, the strengthening of our spiritual lives, then our values and our priorities and our relationships can begin to look no different than non-Christian families. Okay? All right. You're with me. I don't want to get ahead of you out here, all right? In um, 2013, there was an article written in the Washington Post, and it suggests this that many young couples should consider, instead of a traditional marriage, they should consider what they called a wed lease. Has anybody ever heard of that? Okay, I hadn't either until about three weeks ago, until I read this. They're suggesting a wed So what is a wed lease? It is a marriage contract, okay? This, this is what they're suggesting, that a couple should decide on the length of the contract. It could be one year, it could be five years, it could be ten years. But then when it comes to the point to where the contract has expired, then the couple can choose, they can make the decision whether or not they want to renew the red, the red lease for a few more years, or they can just dissolve the marriage and walk away from it. You see, what, what you've got here is you have a contract instead of a covenant, you have, you have a legal agreement instead of a lifetime commitment. Church, the world has forgotten. The world has absolutely forgotten that our marriages and our families were created by God and they were to reflect this sacrificial love between Jesus Christ and the church. Amen? 
They've forgotten all about that. Our marriages and our families were established to show the world what the love of God looks like. Unconditional. Unconditional love. No matter what. Regardless of what. And it's very difficult to experience the love and the joy and the peace that God gives to us through Jesus Christ if our foundation isn't built on Jesus Christ. Is Jesus missing from our families? Is he missing from our marriages? Is he missing from our workplace? The second question is this. When should we begin seeking Jesus? When should we start seeking him? We all know that feeling when we begin to feel a little bit empty, right? And I'm not talking about when we haven't eaten lunch or dinner. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about when we begin to feel spiritually empty on the inside. I'm talking about that times, those times when we fail to have that quiet time with the Lord. That time when we, we, we shut everybody out and we have that prayer and devotion. That's why I still, I've been retired now for over three years. I still get up at 5 o'clock. Why? Because that's my quiet time. There's no TV. She's still in the bed. <laughs> I can have that quiet time, just me and God and no one else around. And when we fail to do that, when we fail to spend time with God, we start to begin feeling empty, we begin to worry, we begin to have fears and frets. So when do we begin seeking Jesus? When do we begin seeking Him, church? The one person, the one and only person who can strengthen our spiritual foundation. We all need that time. I'll bet you that every one of us in here this morning have a tendency to procrastinate just a little bit. Right? Are those certain? Are there are there certain things that you really you really don't want to do? You'll put them off and you'll delay it because you really don't enjoy doing it. Right? There's a story about a young man. He had a uh, he had a wagon. He was a farmer, farm boy. He had a wagon full of corn, and he's going down the road and he hit a bump and, and the wagon turned over, dumped all the corn out in the road. And man, it, it was a mess. But it was close to one of his neighbor's homes. So his neighbor come out, and he looked at it, and he said, Willie, he said, buddy, you got a mess here. He said, this is going to be a big job. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, my wife just put dinner on the table. You come in and have dinner with me, and I'll come back out, and I'll help you. We'll get this thing back up on its wheels, and we'll fill that, corn, that thing back up with corn. I, well, I, I appreciate that. I really do, but I just don't think Dad would like that a bit. I don't think he'd, he'd appreciate that. Oh, come on. Your dad, he's not going to get mad. Come on, you come in, you sit down, and you have a meal with him. He says, okay, well, okay, if you say so, but I don't think dad's going to like it. So they go in the house, they have a meal together. He said, now, really, wasn't that good? He said, oh, that was delicious. I, I thank you, I appreciate it. He said, now we, you feel more like going out and putting that wagon back up on its wheels, right? And he said, yeah, but I still don't think Paul's going to like this at all. He said, well, where is your dad? He said, well, he's under that wagon. He said, <laughs> procrastination. Yeah. One thing we should never procrastinate on is seeking Jesus. Don't ever do that, church. Don't ever procrastinate trying to get closer to God. I'm sure you've heard the story about Satan's board meeting. Satan held a board meeting and he, he asked for all of, his, all of his demons and all of his cohorts to come together for this meeting. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to have a planning session where they could keep people from spending time with God, keep people from reading their Bible, and said, let's just throw out some ideas. Let's get some ideas flowing here. And he said, well, let's just tell them there is no God. 
and said, silence fell over the group and said, well, no, that, that won't work. That won't work because people can just look around and see that there has to be a supreme being. There has to be a God. Well, let's just tell them there is no hell. Let's just tell them that there is no punishment for all of their wickedness. And said, well, you know, men have a conscience. And their conscience alone tells them that sin has to be punished. Said the board meeting was about to end in failure. They were all about to leave. And finally someone in the back of the room spoke up and said, let's tell them there is a God. And let's tell them there is a hell. And let's tell them that the word of God is straight from him. But let's tell them they have plenty of time to decide. There is no big rush, no big hurry. And it said all of hell erupted in a ghoulish glee because they knew if they could get people to procrastinate, if they could get people to put aside, set aside seeking God, that most people would never accept him. Church, listen, it can be soul-killing. It can be soul-killing to put seeking Jesus on the back burner of things to do. And the question I want all of us to wrestle with today as we draw close to this new year that's coming upon us is this. What would my life look like? Ask yourself this question. What would my life look like if I were to begin right now this very day, seeking Jesus and pattern my life after his example. What would my life look like? Is Jesus missing from your marriage? Is he missing from your family? Is he missing from your life? Do you make time for everything and everyone except Jesus? When will you begin seeking him? Today? Tomorrow, next month, next year? This brings us to the last question. Where shall we find him? Where do we find Jesus? Well, the answer is easy, isn't it? He's everywhere, right? He's, he, he's everywhere. You know, before, uh, before refrigerators like we have today, back years ago, they had ice houses. And, and they tell me, I've never seen one, but the walls were very thick, no windows in an ice house. And the door, when you shut the door, the, dust, the door sealed tight. And they would go out on lakes and ponds, and they would cut these huge blocks of ice, and they would bring them into the ice house, and they would cover them with sawdust. And they said that the ice would last, many times, it would last well up into the summer. Well, there was one man working in the ice house one day, and he lost his wristwatch, and he couldn't find it. So he looked all over. He couldn't find it. Some other men come in. They, looked, they, they couldn't find his watch anywhere. So at lunchtime, a young boy goes back into the ice house, and he comes out holding the watch up. They said, well, how did you find it? He said, well, I went into the ice house, and I closed the door, and I laid down on the sawdust, and I could hear it ticking. And that's how I found it. You see, church... The question is not, is God still speaking? That's not the question at all. God is still speaking. The real question is, are we being quiet enough to hear him speak? Are we being quiet enough to hear him? Our Heavenly Father always listens to us. He always listens to your prayers. 
But do we take time to listen to him? Do we follow the instructions in Psalm chapter 46 where it says, Be still and know that I am God. Where shall we find him? Most people find him right here, right? In just the same place Mary and Joseph found him, in, in God's house, in our Father's house. Here in this community of faith, it's where most people find God. You know, there was a father filling out an application one day for his daughter. She was wanting to go to this very exclusive college. And it come down to one question, and it's, the question was this. Do you consider your daughter to be a leader? And he had to be honest. And he said, well, no, I don't consider her to be a leader, but she is a good follower. And about three weeks later, she was accepted into the college. And it said, the dean of the college wrote on the bottom of the page, said, since the entire class of 500 has 499 leaders, <laughs> we thought there should be at least one follower. You see, unlike the student body of this college, church, listen, there's only one leader of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? There's only one. Jesus leads, and what do we do? We follow. Jesus leads, and we follow. Remember when you were a kid? Remember when you used to play follow the leader? Remember, you could win as long as you kept your eyes, as long as you kept your focus on the leader, as long as you kept your mind in the game and didn't become distracted, you could win. But it's difficult to follow the Lord's leadership when our minds and our eyes begin to stray away from Him and look at other things. When we begin to focus on ourselves, when we begin to, to focus on plastic, artificial goals and desires. By plastic, what I mean by that is the things that lack substance. Instead of the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness that the Spirit of the living God says He would give us. What's the song? Sing the song with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you've ever been lost in a big city, a strange city, you know the relief you find when you finally come across some place that's familiar. Have you lost your joy? Have, have, have you lost that peace that only Jesus Christ can give? If you have, you need to come back to some place familiar. You need to come back to Jesus Christ. You need to consider like Mary and Joseph. You need to consider like the wise men seeking him. Seeking his leadership. Jesus missing from your family. Is he missing from your marriage? Is he missing from your life in general? Then why not seek him? Why not seek him? He has promised us, church, that if you and I seek him with our whole heart, what would happen? We'd find him, right, Frank? That's what he said. That's a promise of God. You seek me. You will find me. He's here now. Amen? He's here in this place. He's here right now. 
He's waiting. He's available. Calling your name. Why wait? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord God, I thank you with my whole heart for all the promises that are in this Bible. But I am so thankful that you promise us, Lord God, that if we seek you, if we turn to you with our whole hearts, Lord, you will be found. Father, we just pray if there's one person here this morning and they have not, they have not felt that joy that they used to have, they don't have that peace of mind that they once experienced, they don't feel the closeness of God that they had in the beginning. Father, I pray right now, beginning this very day, that they would seek you. And if they feel they need to come to this altar and pray for you this morning, pray for your nearness and your closeness. I pray that you speak to their heart as we sing this closing hymn. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand. Turn to page 2.